This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. And I want to continue tonight with chapter 3 and uh, pick up in verse number 14, basically where we left off last week. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 14. Uh, Peter's talking about consecration and godly living uh, before the world so that we can preserve and maintain a testimony for the sake of the Lord. And so in verse number, well, just let me read in verse number 13. That's a better place to start. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? It reminds me of that scripture that says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that we are more than conquerors through Christ, Paul said. But, and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. And so what we were talking about last week is suffering for the cause of Christ. And I want to remind you of a scripture that we left last Wednesday evening with, and it's found in John chapter 21. And I want you to turn there with me. They'll get this on the screen for you. I guess they will. That There it is right there. And I know Brother David said you all were experiencing some Difficulties back there tonight, but Brother Yuri's on the job, and so he's got this going on, and I want you to see this. It's in John's Gospel, chapter 21, and verse number 18 and 19, because as Peter is talking about suffering for the cause of Christ, and which we all as believers will do at some point in time, whether it's verbal, emotional, physical, in some way or another, there is a price to pay for taking up the cross and following the Lord. There is a price to pay for that. And uh, we all, I think, at different times in our life, with the different circumstances that we are in, we face those turbulent times and we have to go through a thing, sometimes mutually, but uh, there's a lot of things that probably go on behind the walls of our church that we do not necessarily all know about. But different ways you struggle and you contend uh, for the prize. You run the race with joy, but there is tribulation and there's suffering to some degree uh, for your commitment to the Lord. And uh, Peter, as he's writing these words, he was quite confident in what the Spirit was moving him to say. Because likewise, he was a man who had experienced great suffering himself. And so he's not writing to us as a novice. He's writing as somebody that was well-scholared, well-learned in some very difficult ways in this thing of suffering. But in the Lord's ministry, when he was on the earth, he would meet with these disciples and he would teach them. On occasion, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. At times they would say, Lord, teach us to pray. And then they would say, Lord, when shall all these things be? So Jesus had an opportunity in a variety of ways to teach them the things about what was happening past, present, and future. And a lot of it had to deal with the tribulation that was coming their way 
because these men, these women who said yes to Jesus, who said yes, they would follow him. Jesus knew of the great tribulation that was on the horizon. And in this particular case, and we read this verse last week, Jesus revealed to Peter that there was going to come a time in his life, in Peter's life, when he would suffer uh, a horrific death himself. So Jesus was giving him a prelude to suffering. And this is what the word says in John 21, verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou was young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death He's talking now, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he's in reference about Peter. What death Peter would suffer that would bring ultimate glory to God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. And so we know that taking up the cross and following the Lord Jesus does have significant rewards, and it does have, in times, consequences that... Um, may not be preferred, but it is destined to happen at some point in our life for testimony and for the sake of the Lord. And Peter knew that he was going to suffer when Jesus spoke those words. And But when Peter is writing here in First Peter chapter 3, he is saying this, that if you're going to suffer persecution, he said, make sure you're suffering for a good reason, for the cause of Christ, for the right reasons. Uh, uh, a lot had happened in his own life and had changed his mind and heart about life itself and suffering in itself. I want you to see this scripture. I don't believe we referred to this last Wednesday night, but I want you to see it tonight in Acts chapter 26 and verse number 6 because I want to show you a significant contrast and the peace, you know, the scriptures teach us in Philippians 4 that we can have peace that passeth all understanding. It's one thing to have uh, peace with God, and it's another thing to have the peace of God, two, two different things altogether. Peter, he, he very much knew both of these elements and, and really uh, turned out to experience those things in its fullest. But I want you to see something that's very significant here in this thing of suffering for the cause of Christ. Because in Acts chapter 12, verse number 6, the Bible says, And when Herod would have brought him forth, talking about Peter the same night, okay, he or Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. You know the story very well. He was sleeping between two soldiers, and he was bound with chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. Now, I would ask you this question. What do you think is the most significant word in this passage? And I want you to look at it very carefully here. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night Peter was in my study, I believe the most significant word in this passage is the word sleeping. He was sleeping like a baby, knowing that the next morning, Herod was going to execute him. 
That was the intention. That was the plan. That was the goal. And so to ensure the fact that this execution was going to take place without any kind of interruption, Herod put two soldiers on both sides, one on each side of Peter, bound him with chains, and who stood at the door of the prison. Now, keep in mind, he's facing immediate, imminent execution when the sun came up. But the word says, on the night before, he was sleeping. Now, how does a man sleep knowing that when the sun comes up, his life was going to end in a horrific way. But let me tell you, that was a significant change in Peter's life. He had peace. He had not only peace with God, he had the peace of God. To be able to sleep facing this kind of a situation. However, his life was not always like that. He did not always have the peace of God. He did not always have peace with God. And here in this story, Peter was not scared. He wasn't pacing the floor and screaming and carrying on like somebody that was insane. But that's not the way it always was. He did not always have the peace of God. In fact, I want you to see this passage. Turn back with me to the Gospel of Luke, if you will. And I want you to see this in Luke chapter 22. I want to call your attention to verse number 56, and we'll look at verse number 57 together. Jesus had just told Peter that he was going to deny him three times in the same night. And you remember Peter's response, not me, Lord. I'll never do that. I'll go to prison for you if that need be. I will die for you, but I will never, never deny you. Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows three times tonight, you will have denied me thrice. And so the word says that uh, Jesus led his disciples after, after all of this down the uh, slopes of the Mount of Olives, where the upper room, uh, they were assembled together. And then notice this. So they all flee in Gethsemane when they come to apprehend Jesus. The Bible says they all forsook him. So in the midst of all of that uh, frantic experience, and they scattered, Peter found himself outside of the judgment hall and the scripture says in verse 36 or 56, but a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, this man, and she made a public declaration to the entire crowd, the entire mob. And she said, this man was also with him. And then notice verse 57. We're very familiar with this setting in this scene. The scripture says, and he denied him saying, woman, I know him not. So listen, when we think about what Peter's writing to us about suffering for the cause of Christ, in the, in the book of Acts, he had the peace with God, he had the peace of God, but not always. And in this situation, it's clear that he was scared out of his mind to be associated with Jesus. Now, as we read in this former text here in Acts chapter 12, verse number 6, that he was facing execution. Probably he thought they were going to 
crucify him that night as well. He didn't know what was going to become of him. So he said, absolutely not. I do not know him. He, He did not have the peace of God or the peace with God. But here in this text, in Acts 12, 6, he slept like a baby, knowing what was going to come of him the very next morning. All right, so now we go back to 1 Peter 3 and we look at verse number 15. And so he says this, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And look at this, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so all of us have a testimony, every last one of us. We, it might be bad, it might be good, it might be something that we would describe as sensational, miraculous, supernatural, and really the new birth is for all of us. But all of us have a story, all of us have a testimony, all of us have a walk, all of us have a journey, all of us have had an experience with the Lord Jesus. And when somebody asks you about your story, let me... For example, you can always find a place to park in a conversation and say, let me tell you how I came to the Lord. And always be willing and ready to give an answer to somebody. You don't have to have eloquent speech, but always be willing. Now, I want to emphasize something with this passage of Scripture because if we're not careful, a Scripture like this could be maybe taken out of context But I want you to look at this. The scripture says, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This is talking about an acknowledgement of the lordship of Christ in your life. Acknowledging that Jesus as Lord has helped you somewhere along life's road to deal with your suffering, that you have said yes to him, that you have followed him, that you have taken up the cross. And we should always be willing in discussion, but this is deep, so stay with me just for a little bit. We should always be willing in discussion to share our testimony. We should always be willing to state and share our conviction. But you have to be careful because the devil is always looking for opportunities to distract us or to divide us. We have to be very careful with this because when we share, when we do what verse number 15 tells us to do, we have to be careful that that response that Peter's directing us to does not turn into some type of a debate or argument, uh, something that would grieve the Spirit of God. We have to be very careful for that. In fact, there are two scriptures that I want to give you to write in the margin of your Bible right here at verse number 15. One of them is 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 23. Because the scriptures are clear. It says, but foolish and unlearned questions... Avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And then there's another text. In Titus chapter 3 
And verse number nine, again, the word says this, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. So you have to be careful. When, you, when you're clear in your heart and your mind about your story, your experience, your journey, uh, your testimony, uh, always be ready to give answers whenever you're asked. But be careful because you don't want those questions and answers to turn into something that the devil can use as an opposite to the benefits of knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection. So you have to be really careful with that. And so there's, I believe, getting back to this thing on suffering, and I want you to listen very carefully. There's not one passage of Scripture in the New Testament that teaches that a believer is guaranteed an exemption from suffering no matter what. Not one. So having said that, let's go back to this class. Let's talk about it one more time. That just because we're saved and washed in the blood and redeemed and we have a pardon for eternity, that has wrote our name. God, through the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus, has wrote our name in the Lamb's book of life. We are sealed. The Bible says we are kept. We are sealed for all eternity. So we do have a home in heaven. That will never change. That can never change. But I will tell you this. All of us, all of us, to some degree, are going to suffer. Not only for the sake of Christ, but we're going to suffer in our physical bodies as well. I mean, that's... That's part of the curse of sin. That, that, that sin element that happened way back in Genesis, that happened way back in the garden, that element in itself. Remember what God said to Adam and Eve, the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That wasn't only talking about a spiritual separation from God, which is the main thrust of that scripture, but physically, death came upon all flesh by the transgression of one man in the garden. So this thing about suffering, we are going to suffer. We're going to suffer for our cause, our, for Christ, our testimony. We're going to suffer in our physical bodies. We're going to suffer in our relationships. We're going to suffer in, in, in all aspects. So keep in mind, just because you're saved, that doesn't mean that you are exempt, that you are given a guaranteed exemption from suffering. That's not the way that it works. However, establishing that and being refreshed in that, reminded of that, so when we do suffer, so what do we do? What, what do we do when that sort of thing happens, keeping in mind that everywhere you go, somebody is watching you. Somebody is looking for a response. That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine that all can see. He said, you're the light of the world, the salt of the earth. People are looking at you. There's a higher expectation, he says, that I have of you because you have me, you have the word, you have the truth. And he says, I want you to let your light so shine that all can see. So what do we have to keep our mind on the Lord when our suffering comes? When it's our turn to suffer, we have to keep our mind on the Lord. If we don't, all of us could end up in the philosophical realm 
of Lot's wife. Do you remember what she said in the midst of this pandemonium that was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah? She turned her back. God said, listen, I want you to keep looking forward. Don't look back. I want you to just keep your eyes forward here. And she had pride, stubbornness, rebellion in her heart. And she looked back. You know the scripture. She turned into a pill of salt. You remember what Job's wife said in the midst of his suffering? Just curse God and die. The devil, he can, he can use anything to get us distracted. We have to keep our mind on him. And we have to keep his word in our hearts. Our minds have to stay on him and we have to keep his words in our hearts. I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against him, against God. And so in the lives of these early Christians in the time era where Peter was living, Peter encourages us in the faith to stay true to the Lord, no matter the persecution, no matter the suffering. All right, now verse number 16. He says, having a good conscience. And by the way, that will help you to sleep like a baby at night, keeping your conscience clean and pure, knowing that you did your best, you did whatever you could, you did all you could, in this day, yesterday, and when tomorrow comes, if the Lord gives you breath in your body to do the best you can, take advantage of the opportunities that he sets before you. But having a good conscience that where is they speak evil of you. And here's the thing. You can do your best, your very best, your ever best. And you know deep down in your heart you've done all that you can because nobody else knows your circumstance. Nobody else around your life knows your travels of the day. They don't know where you've been. They don't know what you're going through. They don't know what you're experiencing. They don't know your heartaches. They don't know your sorrows. They don't know your tribulation. They don't know your joys. They don't know any of the stuff. You and God. And so you're walking down life's road. And listen, the thing that helps you sleep like a baby at night is when you know you've done all you can do in spite of everything. You've done what you could do. And then when some people do not find that to be satisfactory and they begin to speak evil of you, look at this. Where is they speak evil of you as of evildoers? They may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. The admonishment in the scripture says, do your very best. Do your very best always. Keep a good, pure conscience. Do your very best. Keep a good conversation for Christ. And when I think of that scripture here, another one comes to my mind in Acts chapter 24, verse number 16. Can you get that scripture up for me? There you go. I appreciate that. Look at this. And uh, this is Paul speaking. He says, and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. You may not set out to intentionally offend somebody, but I guarantee you somebody, somebody's not going to be happy at the end of the day. But Paul said this, to have always a conscience void of offense towards God. When you know that you have done your best with him in view. That's what 
That's what Peter's talking about here. And so a good testimony is critical before the world. How we respond to the traumas in our life is huge. There's a huge thought here. Now, I want you to see something else in verse 16 of chapter 3. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you. You know, there was probably a time in your life, time in our life, time in my life, where we all perhaps wish we could go back, turn the hands of time back on our life to relive a day, to relive a season, to relive a time, to take back some words, to do something different. I, that, I'm probably not the only one in here tonight that feels that way, but I think we all probably have a space of time, a segment of time in our life where we wish we could go back and do it all over again because if we knew then what we know now, we're confident we would have made better choices. I believe that. And when I got to thinking of that analysis in the scripture here, you know, there's not an awful lot you can do about the past. In fact, there is a scripture, and I hope I can get this right in my mind. I did not give it to Yuri to write down tonight, but try Yuri Philippians 3, 13. Try, let's try that because I believe this is applicable right here tonight. There it is right there. That's the one I want. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. There's nothing any of us can do to change an ounce of our past. Nothing. No matter how much we pray, weep, cry, read the Bible, it, listen, it's it's gone. And, and Paul is saying here, forget those things. If it's under the blood, listen, if God has forgot it, placed it in the sea of his forgetfulness, removed it as far as the east is from the west, listen, he expects us to just move on. Move on. And so there's there's very little we can do about the sins of our youth, except confess them. But I tell you what, that's a night and day difference than what we can do about today. We cannot do anything about yesterday, but we certainly can do things differently today. And so if someone is going to cause strife with you or cause suffering for you, these verses that precede this tonight talks about this one theme, and that is this. Don't give them an occasion to do it. Don't manufacture trouble. This is what I've learned about trouble in my life. Don't manufacture trouble. That's what Jonah did. When Jonah got in trouble out there in the Mediterranean, that was a self-inflicted storm. If you can remember two things about trouble tonight, number one, don't manufacture it. And then secondly, don't laugh at other people's troubles. Those are two things that I've tried to use as guideposts along my way. 
I don't make fun of other people's troubles because you could be looking in that mirror tomorrow. Don't manufacture it and don't laugh at other people's troubles. So Peter is saying, don't give other people the occasion. Keep your heart right and that will keep our conduct right. If you keep your heart right, it'll keep your behavior right. Now let's look at this. We have just a couple of more minutes left in 1 Peter chapter 3, going back to verse number 17. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. And then verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So the first thing that I want to address in this passage is this. Jesus was only crucified one time. And so he died for the world. He died for the world one time. He will never be crucified again. The first time he came, he came and he stood before Pilate. The second time he comes, Pilate will stand before him. So Christ, he one time went to the cross. He will never be crucified ever again. And that's an amazing truth in the scripture. He suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust. So the vicarious atonement of the Lord Jesus is the great reason for his suffering. He didn't, he didn't die on the cross that people would write good songs about him. He didn't die on the cross that people would write poetry about him or any of those. He came because we were sinners. He shed God's blood on the cross. It was the only payment. It was the only pardon. It was the only thing that could give us redemption. And so his reason for coming, listen carefully, was not to be born in a stable and people would put on nativity shows during the Christmas season or the purpose for Jesus coming was not that he would win the battle over temptation in the wilderness against the devil. We have to remember this. There's a lot of great things Jesus did. He came, he walked on this earth. He, he performed miracles. He, he did amazing things. When he would talk, people would say, never a man spake like this man. And on and on. And for three and a half years after he began his public ministry, things were just supernaturally, wonderfully, and incredibly done by him. But we cannot forget that the purpose for him coming was that he would come into this world to be the vicarious substitute for all who have sinned. And that was for every man, woman, boy, and girl. He had to shed his blood. And so the scripture is true. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Now, what does that mean, quickened by the Spirit? I'm just about out of time. I've got about 60 seconds, but I do want to give you this scripture before we close tonight. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 11, you might want to write that in the margin of your Bible besides this that we're referencing right now. Paul said this in Romans chapter 8, verse number 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also also quicken your mortal bodies 
by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And so that's a powerful, powerful declaration and promise. We have to end here tonight. And this has been a great study, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. Amen. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.